What a wonderful day to worship the Lord, a loving God. It's beautiful outside. Please uh, join me in prayer as I begin. Father God, may I be worthy now to represent you and your word. Don't let me say anything dumb. Fill me with your spirit. Guide me. I can't do this without you. May all that I do and say be pleasing to you and glorify you. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. This morning we're going to be primarily looking at the book of Luke in chapter 1, verses 39 to 56, which is called Mary's Song of Praise or Magnificat. I need to offer you a, a little background information about this song so we have some context to really appreciate these verses. Now, at the beginning of the book of Luke, we see Mary pregnant and visiting her cousin Elizabeth and Zachariah, her, hus- her husband, who was then mute. Prior to her visit, Mary was betrothed to Joseph a carpenter. Now, in the book of Matthew, Uh, Look at chapter 1, verses 19 to 25. We learn that Joseph initially did not believe Mary's explanation for her pregnancy. Their marriage covenant had not been consummated. Then a betrothal was as binding as a modern marriage. A divorce would be required to annul a betrothal. Joseph, an honorable man, was determined not to put Mary to shame and discreetly uh, divorce her. This was a dangerous situation for Mary, one in which she could have easily been stoned to death. Wouldn't any of us, in similar circumstances, uh, disbelieve Mary's story? It wasn't until the Lord told Joseph in a dream that Mary's pregnancy was the result of the Holy Spirit coming upon her, and he understood God's perfect plan. In this dream, the Lord told Joseph that Mary would bear a son, who he was to name Jesus. This son would grow up and save his people from their sins. Now, without hesitation, Joseph believed, obeyed, and married Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verses 28 to 35, we read that the angel Gabriel had come to Mary and proclaimed, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary was perplexed. She didn't understand the greeting. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The angel then instructed her to go to her aged cousin, Elizabeth, 
who was then six months pregnant. Now we see Mary's response as a beautiful example of prompt obedience as she says in verse 37, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Clearly, Mary had faith in the ancient promises of God. Now back to Zechariah and Elizabeth. If you remember, Zechariah, an old man, initially doubted the angel Gabriel when he told that his elderly wife, Elizabeth, would bear a son and he was to name him John. John would then be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of Elijah and as he would go forth and turn the sinful hearts of many of the children of Israel back to the Lord. Because of Zechariah's initial questioning the angel's message, he was struck mute until John's birth. Of course, Elizabeth became promptly pregnant. This was the family situation which Mary came to visit. Now let's pause and reflect on Mary's situation a moment. Remember the very first thing the angel Gabriel said to Mary. Do not be afraid. Mary was not afraid. That's the same statement the angel made to Zechariah. Mary, unafraid, did not question her message from God. This young girl was faithful to her God. Without question, she says yes. Yes to the angel. Yes to Gabriel. Yes to her God. Isn't it interesting that uh, throughout the Old and New Testaments, the very first thing angels say to men and women is, do not be afraid. So many of the spiritual giants of the Old Testament initially doubted and questioned the messages from God's angels. Jonah, afraid, tried to run away from God and his calling. Gideon tried to negotiate with God and asked for proof. Mary simply obeyed. As we now read Mary's song, I pray that you too will experience the awesome trembling of a young believer with a heart of faith who knows her Old Testament and knows her God. Remember, she told the angel, quote, let it be to me according to your word. Please turn with me now to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 to 56, and you'll find that on page uh, 856 of your pew Bible. Beginning now in verse uh, of 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he looked on the humble estate of his servant. And for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, 
as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. Now this is an amazing prophetic Holy Spirit declaration that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. This is a miraculous coming together of two humble women filled with the Holy Spirit, fulfilling God's promise for a Savior. Not only do we see Mary and Elizabeth coming together for fellowship and comfort, but we see our Lord and John the Baptist meeting for the first time even before they were born. This is also a meeting of the Old Testament with its promise of a future Redeemer with the New Covenant and a risen Christ. This is a providential coming together of two women filled of the Holy Spirit who are playing a vital role in the prophecy of the Old Testament. What a wonderful example for all Christians. Mary didn't wait around. She arose and went with haste to Elizabeth. Now, how long does it normally take you for you follow God's word and do what he has for you to do? Do you wait? Do you hesitate? Do we even try to negotiate with God? Mary's journey to her cousin was about 100 miles away south in the hills of Judah. This would take about four or five days. Mary was then about 13 or 14 years old, but she did it promptly. This is a spirit-filled meeting now between Mary and Elizabeth as Mary entered the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now Mary calls out a greeting. The baby, John the Baptist, leaped in Elizabeth's womb at the sound of Mary's voice. Elizabeth cried out in a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. The Greek word for this leaping is skirteo. That's a leap of joy, skirteo. This was a Holy Spirit moment in the lives of these women and their babies. This was a prophetic leaping that God's people have been waiting for for centuries. Does the thought of Jesus Christ coming of excuse me, also cause you to rejoice. One day we will hear and see him face to face. Will you be one of the chosen who will leap for joy? Did you notice in Mary's song how the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son? Once Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit, she too begins glorifying the Son. She did not deduce this from human logic but was given this knowledge to the empowering of the Holy Spirit. As Alistair Begg says, Elizabeth translates the baby's leaping into theology. Did you also notice that Elizabeth, through the power of the Holy Spirit, prophesies that the child being carried by Mary was indeed her own Lord and Savior? This intimate and vital knowledge was by the power of the Holy Spirit She uses the name of the Lord Jesus to show deity. This was a joyful moment in these women's lives. Yet at the same time, it was a dark cloud that came over Mary's life. It remained there until Jesus' resurrection. 
I am reminded of what I read about the death of Jonathan Edwards, the great theologian and philosopher of British American Puritanism and the forerunner of the Great Awakening. His widow, Sarah, then wrote to her daughter, What shall I say? A holy and good God has covered us with a dark cloud. He has made me adore his goodness that we had him so long. But my God lives. He has my heart. This gratitude does not come from natural intellective men. It can only come from an intimate understanding of the character of a holy God and a willingness to totally submit to his sovereignty. Sarah Edwards knew of Mary's faith. Would any of us in similar circumstances be able to say, it is well with my soul? The book of Luke is filled with examples of different people using the title Lord. In the first two chapters alone, it is used over 20 times to denote deity. When Elizabeth used the name of Jesus, she is clearly showing us that the baby carried by Mary is the Son of God. In ancient times, the greatness of a mother's child often determines her social status. John MacArthur said, in Hebrew culture, a woman's status was based to a great extent on her children. Her significance was directly tied to their significance. The bottom line, Mary was favored among all women. She would bear the greatest of all children, Jesus. Luke commented in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was given to her from the Lord. He is emphasizing Mary's unwavering faith in what God told her through the angel. She believed. Luke also stresses that as Elizabeth declares that Mary was blessed because of her faith. Now little is said in scripture about Elizabeth. She had faith while her husband Zechariah did not. She was then an old woman, strong in faith, encouraging her young cousin. Certainly, Mary needed all the encouragement she could get for what she was about to face. Her son, the son of God, would be crucified for those to this day that come to the cross and claim Jesus as Lord. This was her dark cloud. Yet she knew God was holy and she adored his goodness. Her dark cloud would miraculously be lifted by her loving God when her son, God's son, would be resurrected from the tomb by the Holy Spirit in fulfillment of ancient prophecy. Her faith never wavers. She simply obeyed with haste. Now what about us? Do we believe when God speaks? Well, you might respond that I've never heard God speak or I didn't even know God speaks audibly anymore. You would be right, yet God does speak. We have his authority of word recorded for us in scriptures. What the Bible says 
God says. You may also think that if I actually heard God speak, it would carry more weight and you'd be more inclined to hear and obey. If there are any here this morning who are inclined to this view, may I say, what about all the giant doubters in Scripture who either question God's spoken word or even try to run away from him? Despite these doubters' initial uncertainties and hesitations, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God revealed his truths to them and used them in mighty and glorious ways to further his kingdom. Now, when the apostle Peter was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, he heard God say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 21. For we did not follow well-advised, well-devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice, born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in the dark until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture come from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. May I remind you how soon Mary responded God's word from the angel. Mary arose and went with haste. Now our call today is to obey God's word with haste. Do not reason your way through the word of God when it comes to obeying it. Do not sit around and contemplate and try to figure out all the details. Obey with haste for the glory of God. A young woman believed and with haste obeyed. What a trembling and glorious moment in man's history as that generation and all the generations forward have been blessed with these two covenants coming together in perfect fulfillment of God's word. As Mary begins singing her song in verse 46, we learn several interesting things. A careful reading of verses uh, 48 to 50 reveals that Mary, like us, needs a savior. She rejoices in this news. While Mary is clearly blessed among women, she is not a goddess that we should kneel before. We do need to call her blessed. It was her glorious privilege to be the mother of the Son of God. In verse 51, Mary sings, He has shown strength with his arm. In Isaiah 53, verse 1, the prophet Isaiah said, To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Then Isaiah immediately uh, reveals that the Lamb of God that takes away the world, that takes away sins of the world. 
God through David, David tells us in Psalm 98 verses 1 and 2, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made salvation known and revealed his righteousness to all nations. Now Mary had a complete understanding of her eternal role in the redemption prophecy. Her heart and mind were saturated with the word of God. Her song is a point-by-point recitation of the ancient covenant promises of God. Clearly, Mary did not see herself as immaculate, that is, free from the taint of original sin. No, she, like us, saw herself in a need of divine grace through a Savior. That aspect is clearly dominates Mary's character, is her deep sense of humility, a servant's heart. Now, I have heard the uninformed say that it was a woman who brought sin into the world. Excuse me, but it was a woman who brought a Savior into the world. I once heard a preacher say on the radio of men were assigned to have babies, all families would be one-child families. (laughs) Who else but a favored and blessed Mary, full of faith, could have bore the pain and heartache of God's eternal plan for our reconciliation into God's family. Mary concludes her song with a beautiful recitation of God's steadfast love and mercy for the nation Israel. Mary had an intimate knowledge of her holy God. Now we come to the most important question for each of us. Who do you say Mary is? Jesus asked his disciples this very same question in Matthew chapter 13, verse 13. Quote, who do you say that I, the son of man, am? It was Peter, a man who previously had his own doubts and repeatedly stumbled in his faith, who came up with the precise answer. Quote, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. If today you have reservations or doubt about God's word, pray that the Holy Spirit that filled both Mary and Elizabeth with his eternal truths will give you the same wisdom to know with confidence that God's word is true. God gave us the Old Testament covenant to show us our sins, to guide us to repentance and the need for a Savior. He gave us the gospel to show us the way out of sinful captivity by the redemptive blood of Jesus. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that any of us will know that it is only Jesus, the Messiah, who can deliver his own by his sacrificial crucifixion on the cross for our sins. This is the real reason we celebrate Christmas. It's not anything to do with the natural man has done. Nothing. It's all about our risen Savior. The greatest invitation ever offered is really quite simple. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Amen.